Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Today, I am honored once again in under 30 days to be with Maithili Ramakrishna for a very special reason. She started a new podcast. And let me tell you, folks, down in the, in the blog, you're going to have a link to it. I want everybody to subscribe to it. It's called The Synaptic Explorer. Dr. Maithili Ramakrishna, welcome to Politics Done Right once again. Thank you, Egberto. It's my honor. It's a pleasure talking to you as always. Well, look, let me tell you, I did a first listen of your, um, your site. I got to be honest, I didn't listen to the entire hour because it was late at night. I was pretty busy, but I just wanted to uh, see how it sounded. And I am, I'm, you know, I love, I love everything about your website. I love the, and it puts you into an environment that makes you ready to listen. So thank you for doing that. You're very kind. Thank you so much. I appreciate you saying that. Now, I want, but in as much as we want to talk about this new podcast that you want to do, I want to pick your brain, first of all, because on January 6th, something happened in America that I thought I would have never seen. And for those of us who are immigrants, I'm an immigrant, you're an immigrant. It was not unexpected, but at the same time, it was shocking. Why don't you tell me your first, what you felt the first time that you really understood what was happening? So, you know, I, 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 the first time I watched that, it brought back childhood memories of what happened on December 20th in India in the 1990s. Um, a group of Hindu nationalists in India uh, went to probably one of the largest masjid or, you know, uh, Muslim prayer hall and a very ancient one at it and broke it down. And we called it Black Friday. And they did it on a Friday because Muslims were praying on Friday. And you're talking about, um, you know, I often bring that comparison because I have a master's in public administration um, and I took a lot of political science classes in America. Um, and so many of my papers, I have described the you know, uh, world's oldest democracy versus world's largest democracy, right? And then, so when I watched that unfolding, that was unfolding in front of my eyes, it brought back that memory. And I have to tell you, my father, who was a staunch right-wing Hindu nationalist, was still horrified by that day's events. So I was born in a very political family. Um, my mother's side was very liberal and progressive. My father's side was very conservative ultra conservative. He was part of uh, something called RSS. Look it up. They are like, you know, they have sticks in their hands with shorts and they go every morning to exercise, but it's more, it started off more to do with discipline, but it's become so fringe today. My parents are no longer here, but I, you know, I would have loved to see what my father's reaction would have been. But I remember him being very horrified with that you know, being that he comes from the same party that did it. And today India's ruling party is the same party. So um, was I surprised by it, Egberto? I wasn't. Um, uh, when I came to America for the first time, um, I lived in Pittsburgh and I was a Heinz fellow, a research fellow. There is a church associated with the University of Pittsburgh. What they do is they get immigrant people like me and a lot of Chinese uh, students, PhD fellows and doctors, they uh, pair us up with uh, rural families to talk about Christianity, right? And harmless, right? And these are people who are still my friends, you know? And I've gone to their houses, um, but I have seen a progressive um, 
you know, radicalization. Radicalization. That's a good word. I don't want to use that word because one of my friends who did a bit of my first interview was with my friend and we were delving exactly into this conversation. What she did is uh, she was a postdoctoral fellow and she was talking to Christians and Muslims post September 11 using this Harvard methodology. I won't get into it. But what was interesting is all these people are scared of the other. And she said something interesting and I, I agreed with her. I said, you know, the people who attacked that day were probably the most scared. And probably how many Muslims have you met, Egberto? She asked me that question. I come, I come from a multi, uh, you know, uh, diversity. You're talking America's diversity? You have no idea. Come to India, it's diverse to the T, yeah? And I, even I don't have as many Muslim friends like, you know, I am someone who's very progressive, very whatever, you know, I always meet people. So I think she, I, I honestly think I was not surprised. I, I didn't know that it would go to that route. I was only surprised that, um, can I say this? I was surprised that the next step was not taken, you know. And, and you know it is why the next step was not taken? Yeah, yeah. And I, and I believe that if you, if you, if we do not look at this incident and do not understand that it is all to do with the fact that none of us know how to get, you know, she said something she described, you don't have to pull the walls between us. You have to make those walls porous in terms of understanding what your perspective is, you know? And I thought that was fascinating. And that's absolutely true because I've been to these Bible studies. These are God-fearing people who are, um, who are nice, you know, but, um, you know, even within 2011 to 20, I've seen how their posts have changed. And, and this is why to me, just not talking to them or telling, you know, classifying a few people, uh, oh, you know, they're despicable people in the society. You can't do that. You really have to talk about, I, I, I understand that it was violent. I understand all of that. But you know what? I come from a country where the violence is taken, you know, we assassinated Mahatma Gandhi. Mm -hmm. It was a Hindu nationalist who, who assassinated him. But I always come back to what his process was, you know, um, would he have actually said, let me just call them despicable or let me just go understand what their issue is, you know? So that for me, why, that is why you are going to be so successful with your new podcast. Um, um, let me tell you something, Maithili, and I'm so glad that you said that, especially being a, a, a young woman. Uh, that uh, not only that, a, a young woman of col color who many times have been aggrieved by this society proper. Yeah. And the reason I'm happy to hear you say that is I, I agree with absolutely everything that you said. And I do believe that we have to engage because just keeping that separation, it just makes it worse because there are people above that are taking advantage of that. In fact, a lot of times they are the drivers of that separation yeah. because if you listen to what you just told me you've known these people from your uh, from the time you came to this country and you have seen them progressively get more quote unquote not using your words radical and where did yes. that radicalization come from from good people yeah. no it came from somewhere else who used them who yeah. necessarily needed them to be radicalized i tell you something um I am in a, a several organizations that try to bring people together. One specifically called the Coffee Party, another one called the Bridge Alliance. And I'm a, on the board of directors of Coffee Party. And we were discussing this issue. And it was before January 6th. 
And we were in a board meeting and I'm saying, I've seen this before. And I'm yeah. telling these folks, something is up in America and something will happen in America. I've seen it before. And yeah. I got some pushback. And on January 6th, when this stuff exploded and we saw how bad it really got, I got an email from one of the board of directors and he said, I guess this is what you were talking about. And what I said is that here in America, we like to call ourselves exceptional. And we think that there's something special about us where our humanity behaves differently than the humanity in Panama or India or elsewhere. And the truth of the right. matter is humans behave the same kind of, generally speaking. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> you are absolutely right. And for me, I was just going to say, um, you know, the Cha Charlie Hebdo attacks in Paris. Yes, right? I remember. Yes. And then you think about all of that, you know, and I have friends living in all of these places and, you know, because I was in Britain and, you know, the accessibility to France is very close by. And so, you, you know, even in Britain, the so-called radicalization or, you know, people becoming a little more, and you're talking about a society which is atheist. There's no, like, the, the atheism in Europe is very high. It has nothing mm -hmm. to do with religious but again, it is always coming back to, oh, why can't, like in France, the problem is you're French. You can't be Indian French. You can't be Cameroonian French. You're French. And that, that I understand the constitution, uh, you know, the Republic of France's constitutional philosophy, but therein lies the problem if you're saying I'm opening my country for immigrants. Because if you are opening your country for immigrants, then you have to be understanding of the fact that they are coming from these African countries and that they have their own perspectives because they did not grow up in France, you know? So I have a, so I'm a constitutionalist, you know, when I did my MPA, I was educated by professors who are amazing in the United States. And, you know, they're, they're, they are true to what the constitutional philosophy is. If I, you know, what does citizenship mean? You know, we can delve into all of that, but I take that seriously. On February 4th, I'm about to become a citizen of this country. And on Jan 6th, I witnessed that. And I remember a co-resident in my hospital, an African-American woman looked at me and said, are you sure you really want to become a citizen of this country? Look what is happening. And I said, no, you know, I understand what is happening. You know, and, and the greatness of this constitution of this country is the fact that I, as an immigrant, can stand up and disagree with what is happening. And that is what is happening. We're, we're unable to, whether it's on the right or the left, stand up and critically analyze anything, you know. And I, I will tell you on February 4th, if I do when I do take that oath, I will be proud, but I understand what the constitutional philosophy is. And how many people have actually read all of this. And that's the problem I have. The problem I have is nobody wants to have a sustained discourse. I was, of course, I was angry. Of course, I was saddened that something like this can happen in a country that we all aspire to come here. You know, like in my own country, I can't talk about my country's anything without being arrested. I have mm -hmm. friends who are activists who are getting arrested, you know, who are scared to even post something on their social media. But here we are in America and, and the same thing is happening. So how do you stop that? You don't stop that by completely canceling the other side. I disagree with it vehemently. I'm sure it's a very controversial comment I'm making today, but you know what? I, I am going to make it because that's not how anything works. I've seen how it works in other countries. 
you you know in in France you have they have, what they've done is completely taken all the immigrants put them in the east eastern part of Paris and said oh we won't give you jobs we're going to discriminate you and what's going to happen to the youth when you are you know when you keep pushing a community back you know to the wall they're going to retaliate yeah exactly and and i think part of that was that and part of that was i was talking to a friend of mine in britain and he's a socialist and he's a very vocal socialist he hates the identity politics and he said something interesting he said do you know that half those people who came to protest was not working class right wingers at all they flew in you know planes this is capitalism again doing its job exactly so you don't have working class farmers taking up weapons and saying i'm going to take back the capital that's not right exactly it is a rich elite capitalist on the other side so what you witnessed is capitalism to the hilt you know it it, it is that thing that you witnessed it wasn't it wasn't you know trump supporters who are poor who are fighting from paycheck to paycheck doing what they're doing it was again like you said you know a bunch of elite people except on the other side who wanted or i don't know which side but wanted to take advantage of this that is that is, that is so true and and i think that is so important that we we take a look at it critically i had a a, a man call uh, he wrote the book the redneck reverie and he was on the show he's a he's a right winger and uh, we went over why is it that rural folks don't vote for them and we and, and you know we we had a great conversation and he has a lot of real points and i think that is where we have to go and that's why i that's why i i, I want i want to i want our type of dialogue to make it it's yeah. not easy to get our type of dialogue out there because we're not trying to polarize one side or the other we're trying to tell folks we, you can keep your values, the good parts of your values, and, and get things done. And you can learn to listen to somebody whether you agree with them or not. And I think young people like yourself coming up and sharing that, that stuff, you, don't, I, I, you know how great it was to hear you say you're not into the cancel culture. Because I've spoken about what occurred in Berkeley, where they canceled the right wingers from coming to speak. I want them to speak. Many times they are there, uh, some of the things that the right wingers stand for that is incorrect. Many times letting them vocalize it is its best antidote. But, you know, that is being American, right? I mean, your constitution talks about it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the value of the constitution, right? I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to get into how they were all slave owners. I'm not going to get into that argument because that's, that, again, I have an opinion about it because they were still men of intellect, men who were forward thinkers, men who pushed the boundaries during their time. Because for me, I will tell you, 100 years from now, when they look at Mike Ramakrishna, they'll probably say she was not as progressive. Right. Because, you know, you have to judge someone during their time. And yes, I mean, if you're going to judge by that, Hitler was a bad person even during his time. I agree with that. But if you're going to say, I'm going to pull down, uh, you know, President Grant's statue, a man who fought for the, you know, uh, for the right side during, you know, your civil war. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not, I am not going to support that. But, but am I right for that? I mean, you know, this is what I'm saying. I, the problem with all of us is that we do not know, like you said, how to dialogue. And, and you know what's the funny thing about it? Uh, I don't even care. Look, you know, people put a whole lot of uh, effort into statues and pulling them down or whatever. Instead of spending <laughs> yeah. the money to pull down a statue, take the money that I would have taken to pull down a statue and go feed a few people in. in, in I, the agree. I agree. I said the same thing. Yeah, I am not I into that. I am into 
working with people. You, you know, if I go ahead and I go to Panama and I look at every statue in Panama and I look, I mean, I, I you would go crazy. And when it comes to the, what I do when it comes to the founding fathers is a lot of people revere the founding fathers. For me, they made an elastic clause in the constitution that allowed it to change that eventually things could change. And I don't revere them. I don't hate them. Yeah. I look at them for exactly what they were, men looking out for themselves and that yeah. we yeah, yeah, yeah. actually do things. But I want to move our subject because we're coming close on time here. And I want to talk about something called the Synaptic Explorer, conducting conversations to connect after. To, I mean, this is how you, this is how you, I want you guys to listen to, uh, say how this, this stuff starts. It says, conducting conversations to connect after having lived and worked in three different continents and having worn many different hats in the recent past, researcher, doctor, public health professional, city planner, social entrepreneur, activist, and so on. And that <laughs> is who she is. And <laughs> let me tell you, with all of that, with all of that experience, folks, the Synaptic Explorer, I want you to go ahead and listen to that thing. Why did you call it the Synaptic Explorer? Explain that to us because we're not all doctors here. What is that? <laughs> okay, but you don't have to be a doctor per se, but I will tell you synapsis or synaptic is a Latin word. Uh, it's basically two neurons. You know, in our, in our uh, brain, when the brain has to send message to its limbs and everything, it goes through neurons. And it has these synapses or connection between two neurons. The message has to fly from one nerve to another nerve for your body to understand. So I wanted, yeah, I mean, because of my background, I wanted that. But I also wanted to add exploring because I still think in this world, I'm an explorer. I explorer of ideas, of um, you know, uh, thoughts and thought processes, because I think that democracy is definitely about conversations and definitely having sustained conversations at it. And I'm just adding my voice. And I'm, I, I started this out of a need to reconnect to all my friends, wonderful friends that I have around the world doing amazing things. And, you know, every time I get back to that place where I'm having this conversation and I feel like somebody should have recorded this because what a lot of thought came out of it. I may not have agreed with them. I may not have, you know, completely like been on the same page, but nevertheless, they've, they've sparked my inspiration. They've sparked me in the past. So I just wanted to spark and have conversations and have that voice to, for democracy somewhere. Maybe this, maybe my lifetime or maybe after my lifetime, you know, because I, I heard um, Sarah Weddington in one of the conferences that I went and she said, are you willing to leave a thumbprint? And that, that to me was like always there, you know, I always had that. And I said, am I willing? So you're willing to leave your thumbprint, Egberto, through what you're doing. And, and, I, and I think you do it wonderfully. And I think you have to do it. And, but the problem is how many of us are willing to go out there and do this? You know, I have right. a lot of friends who are shy and, you know, a lot of that, but, you know, convincing them saying, no, I want to have this conversation just for me then to reconnect. But maybe one person or two people may listen to it and, you know, have some ideas with this, you know. So Actually, quite a more, more than that. And look, I, I want to thank you, first of all, for creating that podcast. And uh, I, I, like I tell folks, it is a soothing listen to, and she has very good, the, the, the two that I've, I've scanned so far, uh, very, uh, a very good, good audience. So I uh, thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Uh, we'll make sure that everybody knows how to get 
directly to your podcast. And please, Maithili Ramakrishna, keep up your great work. Thank you so much. As usual, you encourage people like us. And so it's because of, you know, people like you that we stand on your shoulders. So thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.